Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson, and as always, it is good to be with you. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, day two of Genesis part one, week two of our precept study on the book of Genesis. Again, this is our second week, and we're starting our second day of our second week. And whereas, well, basically for this second part of, for the second lesson of Genesis part one, we are taking a closer look at at each day of creation. So yesterday we did um, day one. And we took a closer look at that, and we're going to do the same here on the second day. And it's going to follow the same pattern throughout the rest of the week. So as we begin, we are going to do our scripture reading here, which is going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8. It's Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So let me pull that up here. I repeated that twice, thinking that it would give me enough time to pull up that book and chapter on my phone. And it did not, but now I have it. So here we go. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 6 in the New International Version. And God said, let there be a vault. Again, in the the New American Standard Bible, that's the expanse. But in the New International Version, it says a vault. And we'll see why when we look up the Hebrew word here in a moment. But it says, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And that's all we're told about day two in the creation. So, now we are going to look up the meaning of the word vault, or in the New American Standard Expanse, in the King James and New King James Version, and maybe in the modern English version, I'm not sure, but I know in the King James and New King James, it's it's a firmament is the way that word is translated. So we have vault, expanse, and firmament, firmament as the three English options or for how to translate that, or at least the three that I am most familiar with. So to look up this Hebrew word, again, we are going to go to blueletterbible.org, which is where I do a lot, not all, but where I do a lot of my Hebrew and Greek word studies from because they have a tremendous and easy-to-use tool for searching Hebrew and Greek words and definitions and usages and things of that sort. And I'm going to type in here Genesis, well, after I mess up my little flopper doodle here on the phone. We're going to do... There we go. I got it back. And now we'll do Genesis 1-6. 
And when you type in your verse, if you're going to do this with me or if you're going to do any of your own word studies, you go to blueletterbible.org and then at the top, uh, you would type in the verse of the passage that you wish to use. And you type it in the box and you click go. And then it will take you to that verse. And next to the verse, there is a, a little blue box there marked tools. And you click on that. And then it will take every single word or phrase that's in English, that's translated in English, and it will put them like each on their own line. And that line will have the English translation, the Strong's number associated with that English word or phrase, and then the root and the transliterated form of that word in Hebrew or Greek. So for here... I'm going to scroll down to the, in the King James, like I said, it says, let there be a firmament, and it's uh, it's vault in the NIV, but that whole phrase, let there be a firmament, or let there be a vault, is its own Hebrew word. They took five English words to translate that one Hebrew word, and I believe that's pronounced rakia, ra or rakia, and I, let me click on the the audio thing here, and we'll listen to that and see if we uh, get it here. Hang on. Strong's H, 7549. Rakia. Rakia. Yeah, that. And, uh, so then, we click on the, uh, outline of biblical usage and it will give you an outline of all the different ways this word is used in the biblical text. So when I click on this, it says uh, it's an extended solid surface, an expanse or firmament, uh, and then underneath that it has expanse, like a flat, flat as a base or support. And then underneath that it says firmament, and that's of a vault of heaven supporting waters above. And of this particular definition, it said it's considered by Hebrews as solid and supporting waters above. So B, their option B, is the word, based on the context, we know that that is the one that's being used here. And that's, again, speaking of a firmament or a vault of heaven supporting waters above. That's why it's translated as firmament in the King James and New King James and vault in the New International Version is because it's a firmament or a, a firmament of a vault of heaven supporting waters above. So the context here is referring to, okay, we have this vault of heaven, which is the sky. And then there was waters above the sky. And it was it was seen as like like this was almost solid in a way. Now we know that our sky today is not solid. So does that mean that the Hebrews were just a bunch of dummies that didn't understand basic science and how to look up and visualize correctly, or 
did it mean that possibly the conditions of how things were created originally maybe aren't what they are today? So how would we answer that question? Well, we just looked up what the vault or expanse or firmament is in Hebrew. So now we're going to, and we've already, we've read Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Now we're going to read verses 14 through 20. It says to read Genesis 1, 6 through 8, and 14 through 20. So I might start with 6 again. We'll read that again. We'll do 6 through 8, and then I'll scroll down, and we'll do 14 through 20. I don't want to skip over a step. And I know it sounds like we're repeating a lot of stuff when we do this, but it's actually a good thing. Because one of the best ways to remember something and have it stick in your mind is repetition. That's why when you, like when you study for a test, you don't just, you don't uh, read your book one time, answer all your questions, and then say, okay, I studied for my test. No, you go over the material, usually several times, to make sure that it stays in your mind. And so that's why it's important, even though we just read this passage, it's good to read it again every time we're asked to, and as a means of cementing in our minds the lessons that are being taught. That's why it's taking four weeks to go through Genesis 1 and 2, and that will pick up the pace a little bit as we go on to bigger chapters, or not bigger chapters, but as we go on to uh, later chapters. But these are foundational. Genesis 1 and 2, and I would argue even 3 because of what happens in chapter 3. But Genesis 1 through 3, really Genesis 1 through 11, because that deals with the creation, the fall of humanity, the flood, Noah's flood, and the Tower of Babel. That's four major events happening in the early part of world history. That's in those 11 chapters. So I would say, I guess I could say Genesis 1 through 11 are foundational, absolutely foundational to having a proper understanding of the rest of the Bible. If you don't get Genesis 1 through 11 right, you're in severe danger of missing a lot of what else, of everything else the Bible talks about or of not understanding it properly. If you don't take it for what it says and you try to put your own spin on it, it's just you're going to get yourself in in some weeds when it comes to understanding properly the the rest of what the Bible has to say. So here we are, Genesis. Uh, we're going to go through verses 6 through 8 again, and then we're going to go down to 14 and go 14 through 20. So here we go. And God said, let there be, um, excuse me, I messed that up. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. Again, this was different than what we it it would it probably looked different and it definitely would have been different from what we um are familiar with today um 
And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now we're going to scroll down to verse 14. Or if you're not on a computer or a phone or a tablet, I guess you wouldn't be scrolling. You would be moving your finger down or turning your page. But whatever you're doing, go down to Genesis 1 and verse 14. And it says here, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So, now that we've read these two passages, we've read Genesis 1, 1 6 through 8 again, and verses 14 through 20 in chapter 1. So now, we're going to list everything that we learn about the expanse by examining the text and asking the five W's and, and H. That is who, what, when, where, why, and how. If you remember back to the first week we did this and when we when I first introduced this study that Precept, uh, Precept Ministries offers, um, they say that you should seek to answer the five W's and H not just of the Bible, but of any text you read. And really, I mean, that's in a way, it's kind of what journalists are taught to do as well when doing interviews or when covering a story. The who, what, when, where, why, how. You cover those things. You ask all those questions of any text you read, of anything you hear, or, or if you're the one asking questions to obtain information, that's basically what you do if you're going to investigate it properly. And that's basically what we're doing here is investigating the text. We're investigating it not to determine whether it's trustworthy, because it is, but to determine exactly what it's saying to remove all private interpretations and remove all presuppositions as best as possible. So, when we ask the who of this text, well, who created it? Well, God is the one that created what? So what was created? The vault of the sky was created and the lights that are that were in the vault of the sky. That would be the sun, the moon, and the stars as we know them today. When did this happen? It happened on day two of creation. The very first week of time, the very first week of anything, except for God because he's timeless and above it all. But the very first, day two of the first week ever. Where did this happen? That's answered too. Where, where where was this? It was between the waters. And later on it clarifies it happened the the where happened between the waters above and the waters below. Why did this happen? And that's again to separate the waters above and below. 
So the, the, the expanse or the firmament or the vault was created, the vault of the sky was created initially to separate waters that were above it from waters that are below it. And for uh, birds to fly across the vault of the sky, we find out in that, in that latter passage that we just read. And how? How did this happen? It happened just like how everything else happened in Genesis chapter 1. It happened by God speaking. God created everything by created everything out of nothing by speaking it into existence and he created it out of himself. He is the source of all things. And so that is how he brought them forth was by speaking. So then, as we consider all that we've learned about the expanse or the vault or the firmament, depending on the translation you are using, we have to ask the question, where, where do we suppose that the waters above the vault and the waters below are located? Because that, I mean, is it talking about rain that was above them? Or was it talking about something else? Above and below what? What's being referred to here? And so when you observe this, what do you think that's referring to? And again, this is something if you want to share it with me in the comments on Facebook or whatever when I post this, you can. Or in Messenger, if I'm if you're one of the people I send this to in Messenger or whatever, however you want to reach out to me, you are free to do that. Um, but I answered that, and I said, waters below are everything that's part of Earth's surface. And so that would, that would be uh, that, and then the water, uh, like the, the rivers and the lakes and, and, and things like that, that like when uh, when we read about the Garden of Eden, as we did on day one of this study back on week one, um, it talked about four rivers uh, that were flowing from the Garden of Eden. The Tigris, the Euphrates, and, uh, and there was a, a couple of others that are slipping my mind at the moment. I apologize for that. It's in Genesis chapter two, so we'll get back there eventually. Um The Pishon and I think the Gihon were the other two, if I remember right. But uh, anyway, um, so that's the waters below. The waters above is very interesting. Some might say, oh, well, that must be rain. Well, what, rain, where is rain contained? Is it above the, the sky? Is it somewhere in a, in a huge container that's above the sky? Or... Where where does rain come from? Where how does it form? Where does it come from when it rains? Is it that or is it something else? Oh, uh, I've talked before about leaving my you know you, you know you leave your personal viewpoints out of this as much as you can. But here, I mean, it's it's specifically asking for your viewpoint. And so I feel like it's acceptable here, especially to bring um, 
Excuse me if you guys heard that. Uh, uh, little burping issue there. Probably apologize for that. But um, I didn't hit my mute button in time, so I apologize if anybody heard that. But and uh, what I was going to say is that the waters above I've heard this theory, and I tend to believe it. I wouldn't, you know, bet everything I own on it, but I believe, but I, I, I believe it with a certain degree of certainty. Um, if that's not an oxymoron and how I worded that, but that there's this thing called the vapor canopy theory or the water canopy theory that says that before Noah's flood, which we will get to in Genesis chapter 6, which would probably won't be until next month, but this water canopy theory says that there was a, a water canopy or like this... Uh, I don't want to say a bubble, but there was a canopy of water that surrounded the earth prior to the flood. And that when it talks about the windows, you know, the windows of heaven bursting forth, um, that part of what happened there was that this water canopy, basically all the water that was contained in it, was part of what rained on the earth over that 40 days and nights of Noah's flood, along with water that came up from the ground. If you remember the first time we read Genesis chapter 2, it talked about a mist coming up from the ground to water the earth because it hadn't rained yet. And so the water from above, from this canopy that surrounded the earth, and then the waters below in, this, in subterranean chambers that would come up from the from there to water the ground all that water was used for uh, by God for Noah's flood so that's what I believe the waters above are since it asked literally asked for my viewpoint so now I'm giving it there um, and that would also explain when you look at this scientifically how if such a thing existed around the earth, this water canopy or above the earth, how it would filter out the sun's rays and how that would be a contributing factor to the really long ages of Genesis that we read about and why people lived so long. I mean, you read later on in, in Genesis, people living 900, I think the longest the longest life recorded in that genealogy is 969 years old. That's Methuselah. And it's like, well, that doesn't sound very uh, scientific or realistic. Well, it doesn't if you think that everything, if you believe in uniformitarianism, which basically says that everything is as it was and always will be. But if you are reading this text, if you're reading the Bible... It kind of gives us clues that the earth is not as it was at the beginning. And so when we look at what the Bible says about earth's earliest days, we also need to look at it with the background information that it gives us as to what it was like when God originally created it.
And so with that in mind, we're going to go to Psalm 148. And while I pull that up on my phone here, on my uh, Version Bible app, uh, as I always say, you'll welcome Life Church for the free advertisement. So, pull up Psalm 148 here. And why did we go to Psalm 148? The reason we did is because this psalm contains the only other reference in the Word of God to the waters above. It's the only other place in the Bible that makes reference to the waters above. So as we read this psalm, we want to pay attention to every reference to the heavens and to the earth. And we also want to note what we learn about the waters in Psalm 148. So let's do that. The psalm begins, praise the Lord, or again, as I've, as I've made mention of, several times already in this study, whenever you see the all capital letters, L-O-R-D, not just the capital L, but all, all the whole word Lord, when you see that capitalized, you know that that's referring to Yahweh, the proper name for God in Hebrew, Yahweh. And so when I read this, I try to remember to read it that way because I like using his proper name. I just, I like the closeness that that, gives and you know that like the closeness of that relationship and so i want to go ahead and and read that that way even if it doesn't look that way in your bible so whenever it says like praise the lord or makes reference to the lord i'm going to say yahweh so praise yahweh praise yahweh from the heavens praise him in the heights above Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens. So there's a reference to heavens. Praise the Lord from the heavens. And then it says, praise Him, you highest heavens. And you waters above the skies. That's, you know, we're... If we're noting what we learn about the waters, it says again, above the skies. Or in the New American Standard, it says, and the waters that are above the, above the heavens. So, if we're talking about waters above the skies, again, is that talking about rain as we know it today? Or is that really above the skies? Or is there something else going on there? And that should take you back to what I just explained. The, the waters above the skies, that's not just a throwaway verse. There's nothing in the Bible that's wasted. Every word is valuable. That's why we're taking the time to really slow down and examine the text. So microscopically is to really look at everything it says, every passage and every cross-reference and all that so that we can get a clear view of what's being said here. So praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and we saw that in Genesis 1, and he established them forever and ever, meaning the heavens. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise Yahweh from the earth. You great sea creatures and all ocean depths, Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. 
you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of Yahweh. For his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise Yahweh. So we've already noted the reference to the waters there. And... uh now that we have done through, we've, we've gone through observations regarding the expanse or the firmament or the vault, depending on your translation again, the next uh, part of the study here suggested that I illustrate Genesis 1, 6, and 7 in the box provided. And um, that's the part about the uh, vault in the midst of the waters and let it separate waters from waters. And then God making the vault and separating the waters which were below from the vault from the waters which were above it. And it was so. And then there was evening and there was morning a sec the second day. So, I did that. And you can't see my drawing here because it's a podcast. But I basically... Uh, I drew the ground, and I drew some people on the ground. I drew some clouds above it, but I didn't put any water in the clouds because it says that this is the water above the heavens. So I drew a little squiggly line for water above the clouds, you know, showing that this is above. This is not what we typically think of when we look outside today and look up. That's not the water above the heavens. This is something a little different, and so that's how I... I drew that. Um, there's a lot of good creation science videos on this that explain. Uh, Dr. Carl Baugh is one person that really uh, I've, I've studied who has looked at this water canopy. Uh, Kent Hovind is another one. Um, there's others also, there's creation. And and to be fair, I just want to say this too, not every creationist believes in the canopy theory. There are other creationists, I believe most of the people looking for answers in Genesis, for example, don't believe in the canopy theory. And they have other theories on what, this waters, what these waters are. Um, answers in Genesis, I don't know about if Creation Ministries International, if they... So if they believe in the canopy theory or not. And it might not be like the entire organizations. There might be differing opinions even within those organizations. I'm just stating like two of the people. And these aren't the only two people that have, that believe in the canopy theory. But uh, there's two that I can think of. Well, three. There's Walt Brown was another one. Uh, and these are just the ones that I'm most familiar with and that I've studied and listened to. Walt Brown... Uh, Kent Hovind and Carl Baugh are um, three of those. And I, I I don't know if David Reeves that took over for Carl Baugh with that show Creation in the 21st Century. I don't know if he believes in the canopy theory or not, but he might. And if that's the case, then that would be a fourth one. But um, anyway, 
There's just several names of people that you can look up and study. And if you want to know some alternate theories as to what this is, again, Answers in Genesis is the main one that I know of that you know, they believe in the literal creation account. They they aren't people who doubt Genesis or try to make it say things that it doesn't. Um they believe in the the literal view of what Genesis means, but they do come to a different conclusion about what the waters above are. And that's fine. It doesn't make them heretics. Uh, it just means they disagree. There's a difference between doctrinal disagreement and heresy. This is not heresy if you disagree with this. This is just um, a difference of, of view. But it's a difference of view that's based in the foundational agreement that the Bible means what it says and should be taken literally and not uh, allegorized, especially when it's written as history as this particular passage is and these chapters are this is historical this is written as history not as that's uh, that's the type of literature we're dealing with here so I hope that this has been helpful to you as far as understanding the waters above and if you if you want more specific information on where to study these uh, scientific perspectives from on how this water canopy would have worked or whatever I can get those to you. Um, the primary purpose of this podcast is not to point you to other sources, extra biblical sources. It's to point you to the Bible. The purpose of this study is to point you to the Bible itself and not to depend on the commentary of others. But if you are interested in learning more about this topic and the water canopy and all this, um, science isn't really my thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an idiot, but um, it's not, it wasn't my favorite subject in school, and it's one that I struggled with uh, for various reasons. Uh, I was much better at English and math and, you know, social studies, things like that, history, um, writing, and the ability to express myself and communicate, and things like that. Science, I just, um, probably due to, I don't want to say lack of interest, but just didn't have a, I didn't have the appreciation for it that I do now, um, because I didn't look at it when I was younger through the lens of God's creation and studying what God created, it wasn't really on my radar back then. So it just wasn't something that I was too, I was just, uh, and plus I know that a, a lot of science classes are taught from an anti-biblical standpoint. And so that kind of dissuaded me from caring as much about science in school as uh, some other subjects. So therefore I struggled with it because I didn't, I just wasn't as motivated. I wasn't as uh, enthusiastic about a lot of my science classes as I am about studying this, and and so that's uh, so I'm not really an expert on a lot of this. Although I am learning, I'm learning more and more as I study these things. But I I can tell you with certainty, kind of what the I can tell you with certainty what the Bible says. 
and with a reasonable degree of certainty what I think this water canopy was. I've heard the explanations for it, and I think it's I, I, I think it's valid. I haven't heard a satisfying rebuttal to it, and I have looked into those. But again, if you if you want more information about this in particular and where to find information about this specific topic, I would be happy to share that with you. Just get in contact with me, uh, wisdomonwheels83 at gmail.com, or you can, if you're one of my friends on Facebook, or if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you can, I think it's on Twitter, it's at wisdomwheels83, and Facebook, I think it's at wisdom, on, I think it's uh, facebook.com slash wisdomonwheels or slash wisdomonwheels83, something like that. I don't remember Facebook as much as I do Twitter. But if you're follow, if you're listening to this, you probably already follow me on Facebook and you're familiar with me. If you want to get in touch with me, if you want to add me on Facebook or Twitter and you can't find me, then... Uh, Use that email and we can get that squared away. Or if you just want that information, I'll be happy to email it to you. But again, the primary purpose of this podcast is to point you to the Bible and not to commentaries or necessarily what other people have to say about it. So that's why we're not going into that more here than we already have. So I hope this has been helpful to you and a blessing. In the next podcast, we're going to look at day three and what uh, we're going to take a closer look at what happened on the third day of creation. So God bless you. This is Steve Johnson for the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I love being with you all, and I look forward to doing it again very, very soon, actually. So bye for now.